Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and draft lottery season is upon us. We are seven days out from the draft lottery. So I'm going to be bringing you guys seven different names to monitor for who Oklahoma City will be using as their representative come lottery night. So I'll be talking about kind of their backgrounds, why they would be good candidates, and uh, you know, expecting uh, just who we could see at the Thunder's desk. And like always, I'll be giving you a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So you do not want to miss out on that. But as I discussed, guys, seven days away from the NBA Draft Lottery. This is a moment that hasn't just been on people's minds for like a month. You know, when the regular season ended, it wasn't like, oh, now the fan base is shifting into, you know, draft mode. Thunder fans have been in draft mode for like a year and the rebuild's been going on for two. So draft lottery night is basically the biggest night in the Thunder's calendar year. You're not going to find anything better than that for this current state of the team. Now, when they were contending, lottery night wasn't really a big deal. They weren't supposed to be in the lottery anyways. So that kind of made things easier. But now you're putting a lot of marbles into this night. And last go around, it didn't shake up the way they exactly wanted to. They brought Nazi Muhammad in as their draft representative, came in with the fourth best odds. They won that coin flip against the Cavs. And they had the chance to get pick number one and pick number five. Number one, obviously from their own selection, but they had the Houston Rockets pick two from the Russell Westbrook trade. Now, his top four protected. Houston just completely tanked last year. They were the worst in the NBA. So it was practically a coin flip on what happened there. There was a 47.9% chance OKC got Houston's pick at number five. As we all know, didn't go that way. OKC got pick number six. You saw the Toronto Raptors kind of as the big player to jump up on the board. Had the Cavs as well. And Houston got the second pick. And OKC got pick number six and nothing else from the Knights. They had six, 16, and 18. And then they traded 16 to the Houston Rockets again. <laughs> so they got two extra first round picks. To trade 16 out for Sangoon. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the breakdown of it. You get to this go around, and OKC has a decision to make on who the representative is going to be. Draft lottery night goes down next Tuesday. That's May 17th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's gonna be up on ESPN. I was watching old lottery. Um, videos actually you could check on YouTube for basically like all of them I would say from like 2007 on once you get to 2006 5 it gets a bit murky finding like the full footage but like in the early days of them televising the whole thing it wasn't longer than like 10 minutes they were just reading off the list and they weren't really making a huge story out of it now this is a whole 30 minute segment you get into basically like 15, 20 minutes of just meat and bones discussion of the teams. Basically, they talk about the top three prospects and a couple teams they enjoy. They don't cover everybody really that extensively. But then you get into them revealing the top uh, 10, I guess, 5 through 14 they unveil. 
you get to see a Geico commercial, and then they get down to the nitty-gritty of that top four. But, yeah, they love kind of milking it out, and that's how it should be. I think the emotions should be pretty high uh, come draft lottery night, and it definitely will be for the Thunder fan base. I remember last season, everyone was kind of worried about who the representative would be, and there were a lot of different names that got floated around. I don't think Nazi Muhammad was on the board for many people. It makes sense why OKC blue GM last year, and he still is this year. But even prior to that, he was doing work as like a player development uh, piece and, you know, in some other areas as well. So he's been in the organization for multiple years. Makes sense. But I don't expect him to be uh, the candidate. Same goes for Sam Presti. He's a guy that's pretty selfless. You know, he doesn't like taking credibility a lot. And he's very well spoken. I think he's one of the best GMs around. That's kind of a common thing. I don't think you'll find many people that don't think he's amazing at his job. But I don't think he's going to be the one to represent the team. He kind of likes putting other people out there. And I expect that to happen. You know, from my research, like I said, once you got down to like, the mid 2000s you couldn't actually find the full-length videos but Sam Presti was never the representative to my knowledge for the Thunder or when he was even working with the Seattle Supersonics so that gets us onto the big board OKC they got a 12.5% cut of that number one pick from their own pick and then 2.5% cut of that top pick from the LA Clippers two potential pieces they want to have a representative that will be a good luck charm. Here are seven different names to kind of consider going into all this. And the first one is a name that many people might not know. His name is Cedric Ikpo. He's an executive director for the Thunder Fellows program. And the Thunder Fellows program has been going on since the beginning of this regular season, actually. And basically what it is, is it's a program in Tulsa, in particular the Greenwood District in Tulsa, and they're providing black students in the community opportunities uh, in a variety of different fields. And that comes with like sports. I know they've done stuff with like data and analytics uh, and, and stuff like that. So it's a really good group. I believe their current class is 24 different students, and it looks like a success. I'll be talking about this in the next podcast, but there is actually a, a feature film that will be premiered next month called Scenes for Greenwood, made by OKC Thunder Films, talking about the Tulsa Race Massacre, which happened in 1921, and then uh, this fellowship program. So they picked it in Greenwood specifically uh, to kind of help out some of the students in the community and just you know, give them some opportunities in different career fields. Looks like it was a home run hit. And the man behind it all was Cedric here. And just doing some research on him, the the Thunder Fellows program had a bit of a bio on him. He's worked on numerous different projects over a decade of time, actually. And he's done it for the NBA, the WNBA, and even the G League. And then he took on this program uh, for the Thunder, and as I said, it's done really well for them. I could see the Thunder wanting to uh, put Cedric on there. It looks like this group was, you know, amazing, so it would make sense to see Cedric kind of be that representative, and I think he would be a very well-deserved candidate for that role. Moving on from that, though, 
kind of going into some former players, and this is right up Nazi Muhammad's alley. Now, Muhammad, like I said, probably is not going to be the representative because he did it last year. But there's another person pretty similar uh, to Nazi in terms of like kind of where he is professionally, but also like his tenure in a Thunder jersey, and it's Eric Maynard. He was doing work with the OKC Blue the last couple seasons as an assistant coach. This year, he was promoted to being a player development coach for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he's been around for a considerable amount of time, actually. And when Russell Westbrook was officially traded off to Houston and Collison retired, there was a brief moment in time where the final piece, or the only piece remaining from the 2011-12 finals season was actually Eric Maynard. Like, everybody else had either gone to a different team, retired, um, and for Maynard, like, he had retired, obviously, but he was helping out on the Thunder Summer League coaching staff. It wasn't a, a long-term gig, I don't think, but he was there, and then he obviously rejoined the franchise with the G League, and he since kind of built up uh, his stature within the organization, and OKC has really tapped into, you know, their former players. You look at people like Nick Collison, Anthony Morrow. He was helping with player development earlier this season. They like dishing out those opportunities, seeing what they can do. And, you know, if you're a professional with the franchise, looks like you're going to be a professional uh, in the, you know, front office side of things. And looks like Maynard has checked uh, kind of those sort of boxes. Now, you know, as a player, I don't think anyone would say, like, Eric Maynard was insanely, like, dominant. He had a good college career with VCU, uh, and then after one year in Utah, came to OKC. He actually played there for four seasons, was more of just, like, a bench guy, you know, like, if you needed to throw him in for 15 minutes, he'd do it, but for the most part, kind of kept him on the sidelines. He seemed like a stand-up guy. Uh, I actually have a story with Maynard. I uh, was like one of the high five kids. I'm going to guess it was probably the 11-12 season. I'm not entirely sure, but I was definitely probably like eight, maybe nine. I don't know how old I was. I'll be honest, but um, yeah, it was the high five line. We're down at the, the baseline there, and... We're getting all these different high fives. You know, we got this batch of kids. I think Katie and Russ were on one side, the high five, maybe like three kids. And then you just get the line of everybody. Perry Jones, I remember giving him a high five. I think I, I said some comment to him and like he really didn't pay any attention to it. But then Eric Maynard's right in front of me. And at the time I was pretty short, you know, like that's just how it goes. Maynard extends his hand like as far as possible, just straight up, straight vertical. He expects me to high five that. I don't got a 50 inch vertical. So instead of me jumping, you know, being like a, a kid about it, like, you know, having fun with it, I just stood there until he lowered his hand. So it might have been awkward for him. That's one thing I remember about Eric Maynard. And I'm sure he's still, you know, pretty classy with the team. So I would like him just from my personal story. Uh, and then obviously, like within the franchise, he's obviously doing a good job there too. So I would have him as one of the targets. Now for people who who hold like superstitions, I don't know if Maynard would be the guy because you got Muhammad last year. 
like I said, it's basically copy and paste on the story here. Like, Muhammad also was on that finals team, was more of like a back-of-the-bench guy. Uh, but, see if you could roll the dice, break that superstition, get a good pick with Eric Maynor there. And one of the cherries on top as to why I think he's actually a prime candidate is because he should be around town next week. You have the draft combine intertwining with the lottery schedule and both of them are in Chicago so next week that's when you see the combine begin and Tuesday night is the lottery because he's a player development coach I would fully expect him to probably be out there as sort of like a talent evaluator so it shouldn't be much more than like a tiny commute over for that show just put on a suit and tie and you're kind of rocking and rolling and the same goes for my next candidate as well I'm going to be talking about him and the rest of the bunch in one second here. But first, I want to let you guys know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA playoffs means next level basketball. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings customers can also bet during the first round with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place a same-game parlay each day with three or more legs and get up to $25 in free bets back if one leg doesn't hit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during this round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Guys, moving to the third candidate, though, I don't think this is one that many people are going to be surprised about. This is the pick everybody expected last year. It didn't happen, and everyone was upset about it. Maybe you rewrite history. You finally get him as a representative, and he'll be your good luck charm. He's the only man in OKC Thunder Rafters. It's Nick Collison, and he's still sticking around within the organization. Yeah, he retired about like five seasons ago, but he just got hired as a special assistant to Sam Presti this year. Presti, he's got the connection with them. He's got a connection with the whole entire city. And in terms of franchise history as well, he's got it. Like you can already picture ESPN showing one of those graphics on the screen. When they show off and announce all 14 of the different reps, it's going to have Nick Collison's name. And then there's going to be a little bullet point that says only member in Thunder history to have their jersey retired. Something along those lines. And it's a perfect spell because Twitter, for example... Twitter can be terrible sometimes, and I've seen on numerous occasions, this will come out of the blue, people will talk about Nick Collison 
being the only like guy retired in franchise history and they'll bash it it's not even like thunder people really it could be a lakers fan for all i care about and i'm sure if they had him as the rep he'd damn near be trending just because people would be poking fun at it who cares though if okc gets a top four pick you know number one pick ideally i don't care bash him all you want and then Carlson, in terms of like who has been just straight loyal to organization it has to be him he was there like through thick and thin with the organization gotta remember he got drafted in 03 he was with the seattle supersonics and he had to deal with the whole entire transition over to oklahoma city that initial group from the sonics like started to slowly one by one just get picked away at a lot of the original people they had for the thunder's inaugural season were like bench guys you know they weren't people that's kind of stuck around that long and a good amount of them were just hanging around they're like you know 32 years old almost wasn't like this rendition where everybody's 22 yeah you had another 10 years so they were on the downward spiral kind of fizzled out but with collison he continued to remain a solid backup and it's kind of where he made his money you know he finished after 14 years which yeah it's like 2017 2018 when he packed it up actually yeah i believe eh, it's one of them retired in 2017 let's say that okc has been a team for 14 years so he played within the franchise's history for the same length okc has been established that's pretty big time so i think that's a pick he also should be in chicago just like mayner because of his role so maybe you say he's above mayner in terms of the power rankings after you get beyond him though you kind of get into a different category where instead of the executives and maybe some people who have contributed to the organization you get to the player base and you know you could throw out a, a ton of different names here i'll talk about two of them you probably or actually three of them you can probably guess them now i think the most likely candidate might not be him but he brings so much like value i would say to an espn production it's josh giddy i think in terms of an on-air candidate you cannot get much better than him he's 19 years old just came off a really good rookie season 12 and a half points 7.8 boards 6.4 assists you know how it goes he was he was great and i fully expect him to be on one of the all rookie teams we'll see which one that ends up being i think the big reason though that you go with josh not only does he give you some attention from like australia let's say but in terms of social media he's just a straight up stud i don't think you can find any better person for this job and if you guys have been watching tiktok at all and you've seen josh's content you know exactly what i'm talking about if you don't i'm gonna sound like a lunatic for like 30 seconds just bear with me here um there is this little like senator too from drake and the way that it reads is uh what do you mean breathe breathe bring me a shot let me just let me play the snippet actually let me play a snippet right then what do you mean breathe breathe don't tell me to breathe i can't be yo bring me a shot bring me a shot so as y'all just heard it's just like a tiktok sound right it could be just the most random thing that's kind of how the app works a lot of what goes viral is just silly so a lot of reactions to this or a lot of people would use this clip 
to like maybe talk about something that sucks, like something you need a shot for. For Josh Giddy, he basically uses it for like whatever he wants. I saw a, a a TikTok from him about Fortnite where he used this sound. It's something like when you use a big shield before you use little shields. Basically, you're supposed to use the the smaller shields before the big shields. That's what the punchline was. Um, I guarantee that whatever the end result is, he could get the first pick. He could get the he could get the seventh or eighth pick. It doesn't matter. He's gonna use this TikTok sound at some capacity, and it's gonna be great. That's the selling point for why you go Josh Giddy for uh, the candidate for you know the draft lottery rep- representative and. That's kind of the end of the case there, but I think it's still a pretty damn good one. So you get with that. I think he does already kind of fit the bill as like a noticeable player. It, it obviously doesn't matter who represents the organization. Like I'm sure they do some sort of vetting process, but as long as you're, you know, with the team, they're going to give you the green light. You could throw Scotty Hobson up there from the OKC blue. And I'm sure they'd probably say yes, actually, because Hobson's been with the blue for years uh, he's had like probably two or three stints with them obviously got to play like a couple games of the thunder this year so hell maybe you can throw him as like that sneaky eighth pick but definitely want to throw josh giddy in the conversation for you know both like logical and tiktok reasons as well um <laughs> moving on from him though you get back to more like the serious stuff and that's with mark dagnall now he's kind of the obvious choice head coach of the team. We see head coaches being the representatives all the time. He's going to be in Chicago. He also kind of embodies what the Thunder have been doing the last two seasons and beyond. You know, he joined the Oklahoma City Blue in 2014, worked as a head coach there, got the opportunity to be the the head coach of the Thunder two seasons ago. And ever since, he's just been kind of that leader the, the roster has needed. This has been a roster that basically been shaved of all veterans. They have had a couple, like Horford was there last year. You have Muscala and you have Derek Favors right now, but you need that primary source. And with Dagnall, he's this young coach, so he's kind of building with them, but he's also kind of helping to construct the team. A lot of what he has stressed has been things, you know, such as culture and like next man up mentality. So everyone's getting their, their chance. And I think in terms of like morale and chemistry, he's doing a pretty good job sort of manning the ship. So him being the the guy just makes sense. And with Dagnault, him being the head coach helps his chances too. Like I talked about, we've already seen coaches be the reps. Scott Brooks actually was the representative back in 2009. That's when they got James Harden at pick number three. And I don't think they were actually supposed to be in the top three in that year, if I'm correct. I think it was a bit of a surprise, a bit of a smirk to Brooks's face when he got up there. So maybe the hot streak continues. The one time that OKC had the chance to utilize Donovan for like lottery purposes was back in 2015. That's whenever he first got inked. Like they fired Brooks, they brought him on. And they used Russell Westbrook instead. So ever since like Donovan has been the head coach, there wasn't really a chance for him to do so. Now you get a chance to kind of continue the tradition and Dagnald is right there 
kind of for the taking in that seat. Second to last guy I want to talk about is SGA. This is just the star pick. SGA has been the leader the last two seasons. Chris Paul handed off uh, that symbolic torch, I guess you could say, when he got traded away. And ever since, you look towards SGA for production. He's led the league in drives last two seasons, and he's posted averages of 24.2 points and 5.9 assists in that span. He has been great for the team. Did he tank a bit in three-point percentage? Sure. Could have been a fluke of a year. Got cut short due to another injury. So that's kind of where you get to to now. But you know, in terms of pecking order, SGA is number one in command. And the, the Thunder have placed their players on that pedestal come draft lottery night. Kevin Durant was the representative in 2008. That's when they were still the Seattle Supersonics. They got Westbrook there, but he never donned a Seattle jersey past draft night. And then in 2015, like I talked about, you had Russell Westbrook as that player. I would say on both occurrences, you kind of went with the number one. KD was off the board in 2015. Like, even though he was on roster, you know, he already had done it before. So it makes sense why. You went uh, as, as like Russell Westbrook being that player. I think SGA could also slip in at that spot and I think everyone would be pretty happy about it. Last guy on the board, I'm sure people were waiting for it, is Mike Muscala. He's kind of found his place in Oklahoma City, it looks like. If you break down the history of Muscala, it's pretty interesting actually because he wasn't one of those like blue chip prospects basically had to be the star of the Patriot League for a couple seasons to get draft attention, got picked up by the Atlanta Hawks, and that's kind of where he just sat at for a good amount of time. First five seasons is where he called Atlanta home, and then he had like super brief stints with uh, the 76ers and then the LA Lakers. The Lakers won that one seems very forgettable. You know, I don't think a lot of people outside of like the fan base of Mike Muscala even has recollection of that. I think Zubach might've been intertwined in that somehow. Like they had an, an either or, and they went with Muscala. I'm not sure. Cause I'm not, I'm not hundred percent pen to paper on that one. But after his time with the Lakers, he signed a two year deal with the Thunder in the offseason of 2019. And that was the offseason for the Thunder. This is when the transitional period really set into stone. You had, you know, the Thunder get bounced out by Damian Lillard, still with Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Jeremy Grant, and others kind of at the helm. But they decided to tear it down. You know, Paul George, he wanted to leave, talk to Presti, saying he wanted to go to the Clippers. They make that deal happen, and then you get the deals just going one by one. Jeremy Grant goes to Denver. Carmelo Anthony is gone. Russell Westbrook gets traded over to the Houston Rockets. And Mike Muscala, he signed when all those guys were on the team. So he had, I'm going to guess, the opportunity to walk away back out of the deal, but he didn't. He decided to stick around with that completely shifted team And for someone like Alec Burks, I guess he's the example I'll use. He 
had that same scenario happen. He signed to play with PG and Russ, and then it didn't happen. Um, (laughs) So everyone leaves, and then he left as well, and he signed with the Golden State Warriors. Muscala was content playing with that Thunder group, and he did a hell of a job in the bubble next season after that. And then this last offseason, he signed another two-year contract with the team. So he's going to be around, I'm assuming, next year. That's going to be his, uh, his, his expiring deal. But any way you cut it, like he has been a very pivotal part of this transitional period with the Thunder. There, I think you can draw a line on like different stages of the team. Now, I guess it's a bit of a gradient because the year with Chris Paul is a bit of like the... I keep saying transitional period, but that's really what it was. I think after Chris Paul, though, you draw the line. Last two seasons have been a completely different team. Muscala has been instrumental to that because he has been the veteran. He's only 30 years old, but he brings a lot of experience to the table. And I think he brings a lot of leadership qualities as well. It's why OKC keeps him around. And he continues to talk about, you know, that he loves the city, doesn't really want to leave. So I think he's sort of the the guy in terms of you know who who has that like Nick Collison energy about him Steven Adams was kind of given that token now I'm sure he never requested a trade he just got dealt out anyways but Muscala I feel like has slipped into that role right now so you can give some credit to him for being so loyal to the team I know Kenrich Williams is sort of in that same boat where He's a hell of a player. I think that he'd contribute for a contender if he wanted to on an amazing contract, by the way. But he said in an interview with the Oklahoman that like he wants to retire in Oklahoma City. So you have a ton of people just dedicated to the team and dedicated to the rebuild. That is a really good recipe. And it means next Tuesday, whoever the selection is, is going to care a lot about the end results. And I'm sure a lot of you guys will be as well. I'm going to be bringing coverage leading up into draft lottery night. We'll see kind of how the order breaks down. I should get that honed in on my next podcast episode, but that's just sort of my plans right now. I have another kind of batch I want to break down later this week. It's going to be a bit of a mixed bag, but I think they're all really enjoyable stories that you all uh, would like to give a listen to. If you have any stories on your mind or any different prospects you'd like me to evaluate, make sure to let me know. You guys can hit me up at my personal Twitter. That's at Ben Kreider. Or you can go to at ThunderstickPod. That is the home Twitter for the podcast. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.